So good of you to stop by this evening. Welcome back to the Gallery of Curiosities. I remain, as always, your humble host. All's good. This evening, we have two exhibits on the subject of mothers. And I assure you, these are not heartwarming homilies worthy of being acquired by the Hallmark Channel. No. You see, these are not your mother's Mother's Day stories. These are your thrice-great-grandmother's nightmare Mother's Day stories. Which is why we save them for the darker days of the year. Our first exhibit comes to us from author Shelia Lindsay, who was neither born nor raised under a rock, but does claim that as an excuse for how behind she is on popular culture. She currently resides in Texas, still not under a rock, despite her continued insistence to the contrary where she divides her time unevenly between reading, writing, and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It will be read for us by Ms. Alex Ford. What is that? Where is that coming? Oh, what is that? You didn't bring a pocket watch with you in here, I hope. You were frisked at the door like everyone else. Fixable by Shalaya Lindsay The doctor assured us our baby girl was fixable. He showed us diagrams and engineer's careful notations and told us she could be made whole. That her cloudy left eye could be replaced with an array of lenses and mirrors that could transfer light to the brain. That her spine could be straightened with a metal corset like a cradle around her chest. That he could make an automaton hand to grip the malformed stump of her wrist and connect small wires under her skin called nerves. That he could fix a bellows between her ribs and up her throat to compensate for a thready undersized left lung. The doctor told us that it was the factories, or perhaps the smog the coal-burning train engines dumped into the air, or it was something called trace elements now present in our food. It disrupted pregnancies, halted essential processes in the womb. He said that a few decades ago, our baby girl would have been dead barely after she was born leaving us nothing but a tiny grave to dig. But today, by the grace of modern science, she could live a happy, full life, as able as a normal child, although she would never be normal. The thought did not excite in me the same relief that shone in my husband's eyes. How could science claim to solve a problem of its own creation? but I kept my silence as he signed the papers. Surely a not-quite-human daughter was better than none at all. 
His hand clenched mine, white at the knuckles, and we cried together when the doctor set to work, like we had the night she was born. When he finished, I was the only one who cried. I told them they were tears of joy. I lied. She is not the darling girl the neighborhood women have on their hips when I visit. The metal of her frame digs into skin if I try to balance her against my hip. And she is so heavy I would be hard-pressed to lift her with one arm alone. Not that she can often be persuaded to sit. Our six-month-old girl stands unaided on a spine forged from metals strong enough to hold up a building. She walks when other children crawl. No, she runs, in wide, tottering strides like a wolf pup after a hare. She breathes in great gasps and can stay underwater what seems like an eternity, watching other children play from below the surface of our pond. My husband dotes on the child, delights in her. They chop firewood together, laughing each time she splits a log twice as big around as her waist in one blow. He calls her Belle because of the sound her bare metal body makes when something rebounds off it. I watch as my husband removes my daughter's hand and he teaches her how to even out the dents, heads bent close, almost touching, their laughter ringing almost as clearly as the hammer on her tin fingers. I, in turn, sew her pretty dresses and lace gloves. She doesn't like the gloves. She never wears them preferring the glint of her own hands in the sunlight to the seashell pale of the gloves. If I force them on her, she rips them off, leaving a puddle of lace scraps at her feet. I have to make her dresses loose because anything tighter hurts the binding in her spine, or so I think, as she cries whenever I dress her. They are strange tears dripping from her clockwork eye like water from a ledge, more a product of excess fluid than genuine emotion. When I tried to teach her the waltz, she squeezed my hand too hard and stepped on my foot until my ankle sprained. The doctor said it was clumsiness due to being six months old and made so much stronger than bone, but I swear there was malice in her eyes. An edge in the turning gears of her clockwork socket. I say nothing to my husband or the doctor, of course. They are convinced she is an angel on earth, the first in hundreds, thousands of children snatched from death by the sneak thief science. Instead, I listen to her heart while my husband sleeps. It keeps time audibly, tick, tick, tick in time with our clock, except that she does not ring on the hour, although she delights in every chime, and occasionally stands in front of our timepiece, still as a statue, imitating its hourly calls. She must be rewound at midnight, like the rest of our machines. She can't do it herself yet, and so I must wind her up as she sleeps. 
Sometimes, when I twist the key, she will wake and look at me, expressionless, motionless, until she is fully wound and I leave the room. Her heart is nearly stopped. I should go now. That was distressing. Our second exhibit comes from Ms. Maria Haskins, a Swedish-Canadian writer and translator. She writes speculative fiction and poetry and currently lives just outside Vancouver with a husband, two kids, and a very large black dog. Her work has appeared in Flash Fiction Online, Shimmer, Cast of Wonders, and elsewhere. Find out more on her website, mariahaskins.com, or follow her on Twitter at Maria Haskins. This story originally appeared in Flash Fiction Online in September of 2016 and will be read for us by Ms. Maria Rose. Sent by Maria Haskins Read by Maria Rose Her cabinet is full of perfumes, and the scents try to escape as soon as I open the door, twine tendrils reaching out, Each scent a murmur, a ripple of memory beneath my skin. There are liquid amber and fluid gold, swirling ruby and molten jade, lustrous indigo and glossy lilac, gleaming prisms of crystal and glass, stoppers carved into burrs and beasts and blossoms, all aglow in her gloomy boudoir, lit only by the flames beneath the copper cauldron in the other room. Don't touch, Alina. Mother's voice. Not loud or sharp, because Mother never raises her voice. But firm, like the hand on my shoulder, turning me around, away. She asks me to brush her hair, as she has done every night for as long as I dare remember. I unravel her waist-long braid, brushing black tresses into silken shadow, her skin already warm and flushed in the heat and steam rising from the deep basin cut into the stone floor. The golden mirror holds Mother's reflection. She is so beautiful that it hurts even me to look at her. Beauty like a blade, a sleek, perfect edge, sliding through skin and ribs so easily you barely notice when it stops your heart. I don't want to look, but I inhale her scent with each sweep of the brush. The smell of spring mornings in the garden, days when she'd hold my hand, bedtimes when she kissed me, each brush stroke tangling into memory. Don't touch. In the other room, the fire keeps the water boiling, 
heating the large transparent sphere suspended on its chain above the cauldron. Inside the glass, the heated fluids rise, trickling slowly through twisting tubes of copper, dripping into vials. Something twitches within the steam and mist and glass. I do not wish to see. Not tonight. She rises from the chair, and the weakest part of me wishes that she would stay this way. That she would not undress, not step into the steaming water, not wash and rinse her skin. I breathe in her scent, trying to hold on to it, keep it safe, forever. Mother, safe, forever. The gown drops, embroidered silk blazing blue and black like butterfly wings, smooth brown skin beneath. Through the window beyond her naked form, I glimpse the forest, trees, the moon, narrow trails made by paws and hooves beneath shriveled leaves and twisted boughs. There is a way through the shadows and the mires. Maybe a bird could fly above. Maybe a wolf could find the trail. But I have no wings, no fur, no beak, no snout. I have only a child's hands, scarred and calloused, strong enough to carry water and light the fire, to brush mother's hair and lay out the gowns upon the bed. Not strong enough to break open locks or crack the wood that bars the door. Don't touch. Once I touched. Once I balanced on a stool, reaching into the cabinet, my hand trembling so it almost knocked the bottles over. I took the vial on the highest shelf in the farthest corner, the one with the carved onyx stopper, Wings spread in flight, black feathers carved into the stone. I removed the stopper, didn't let the liquid touch my skin, only breathed. Felt the shiver of beak and flight. That bottle isn't there anymore. Perhaps it's locked in the chest next to her bed, buried beneath pearl-embroidered lace and silver-stitched brocades. I watch her descend into the scalding water, watch her wash mother off her flesh and bones with oil and soap and sponge, shedding scent and memories, skin and spirit, until she is twisted spines and cracked hide, gut rip claws and needle fangs, red tongue flickering between. The water fills the crooks and crevices of her body, rinsing warped limbs stitched together by sinew, spell, and shadow. She rises, stripped of all illusion, clean, strong as roots and vines, as tooth and bone. In the other room, the glass sphere glistens, tarnished with dark residue above the roiling water. I smell wolf tonight. By now, I can tell the smells apart. The animals and birds, the children, the woman and the men, the tiny fairies with wings of spun gold, the beasts of horn and wing and tusk, each trapped inside the sphere, above the heat, 
giving up its scent and spirit, releasing the essence hid within as the bonds of life are loosened. Only the dregs are left behind, slick and foul, to scrub and clean, leaving my palms and fingers raw. Don't touch. A crooked talon strokes my hair, slides down my cheek, cutting into skin and flesh. Alina, give her to me. She takes the bottle filled only yesterday from my hand, contents shimmering like liquid strawberries and honey. The girl with red hair, barely older than I am, eyes like moss and water, mouth open, but bereft of sound as she lay inside the glass, as the heat drew out every last bit of her. Her essence held in crystal now, a crimson stopper to keep her in her place. One splash, two, of strawberry and honey. Firm flesh and creamy skin, blushed with fire flows over stripped bones and creaking joints. Eyes like moss and water open, Red brass curls tumble down her back. You will be gorgeous one day, won't you? There is a gleam of hidden teeth and darkness as she speaks. Make your mother proud. I think of black feathers stirring, claws and beak, and I nod. Nicely done. And might I add before you go that the latest issue of Curiosities is now available in Kindle, Kindle Unlimited, and trade paperback formats. This is our long-delayed collection of World War II stories. Links are provided at gallerycurious.com store, or... Search for Curiosities number six on Amazon. As always, we thank you for your patronage. But for now, the hour is late. You should be on your way, and don't be thinking about bringing a pocket watch with you next time if you did this time. I don't know how you got it past security, but do take care of yourself and come visit again next time at the Gallery of Curiosities. Gallery of Curiosities is produced under a Creative Commons International 4.0 non-commercial attribution, no derivatives license. All story copyrights remain with the authors. Our theme song is Ashes, Ashes by Deus Ex Vapora Machina. If you liked this show, share it with your friends and don't forget to take your mother to brunch. It's important. This episode was produced in February of 2020. For full show notes, visit us on the web at gallerycurious.com. I watch her descend into the scalding water, watch her wash mother off her flesh and bones with oil. Whoa.